Welcome back to another episode of Trey's Table Talks podcast. This episode features special guest Elizabeth Sutherland, the author of No Ordinary Liz, a book now available on Amazon, and a special written letter out to all foster children. Join Trelane this episode as she interviews Liz and talks more about fostering a future. Hello, Liz. This is Trelane. Hello, Trelane. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good. It's Friday. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I really appreciate you taking time to speak with us to talk about your book and just your experience. And I was able to, I didn't get a chance to go through the whole thing, but I made, made it through a good bit of it. And, um, as a provider, it definitely gave me some insight. So I would love to just ask you some questions about it and, um, and just see how we can learn a little bit more about you and, and, uh, as it relates to this book. Yes. I mean, thank you so much. The power of social media is, is incredible, isn't it? Right, because I even in your book you mentioned how when your siblings were separated, you didn't get it. You know, you didn't have social media like no. now. That would have made a world of difference, right? You know. Mm-hmm. So okay, so what led you to writing No Ordinary Liz? So I wanted to show the world that I survived and thrived uh, after foster care, mm-hmm. and one of the biggest reasons too is to encourage foster kids. Um, and, and, and help educate adults on what it's like to be a foster parent. Um, Mm -hmm. what does it look like to navigate the adoption process? And, and then, and two, if, if no one wants to be a foster parent or wants to adopt, but there's some interest, um, it was volunteering at nonprofits and agencies. What does that look like? Um, Right. Get Mm -hmm. involved. So. Mm Um, but I'm just, it's, it's an incredible story. Um, not just because it's my story, but I like to tell people it's their story. It's the story of those foster youth that's still in the system, um, that I'm advocating for. Absolutely. As I was reading, just kind of how you ended up in foster care. Uh, it sounds like some of the stories we've had with our kiddos that we've cared for over the past few years. Um, what I'm curious about is, did you ever find out if Martha was your grandmother? Uh, kind of was like supposedly was always kind of the description you gave. Yeah. So um, she was not. Oh, so, she wasn't. Okay. No. Um, excuse me. She's my bro- she's my brother's, but she's not my my she's not my sister nor ice. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. So just a couple things in that front, just kind of starting early on with that. Um, you write about how just that experience was so awful, and I just kind of you know so interesting as I was reading that the descriptions that you gave brought me to, I felt like I was 1950 or 60s. And I'm going, she's not an old woman. She's she's younger than I am. So this is mm-hmm. like recent times in this time frame that someone is going through this type of living. And so I, I was a little appalled and upset and empathetic all at the same time <laughs> about what you guys had gone through. Um, but you talk about that experience, but then how Martha's uh, I think it was the father that um, that, that his father, her father, I guess, kind of gave you some hope. What was it about him? Have you kind of land on what was it about him that you kind of drew to? Well, I think, um, you know, growing up and to this day, one of the things I really, truly miss and wish I had was grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. 
I had him for just a very short while. And I think what grew and what gravitated um, me to him the most was that he actually stood up for us. You know, mm-hmm. when, when the abusiveness was going on, he was just like, don't you think that's enough? You know, right. like what, and, and just those words. And, and, and he also took us to church, you know, like mm-hmm. he tried to get us away from that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, put us in a different situation. So I wish you uh, were still here. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like how you write about that when it came to, you know, how he introduced you to church and your faith and, and, and then seeing how that was still very much a part of your life, even after you mm-hmm. aged out of foster care. Um, and so it's interesting because um, I haven't experienced a lot of the things that our kids that we serve um we care for have experience, but I believe that, you know, God has given me empathy mm-hmm. for those children. Um, and, and, and I'm a trusted adult at the end of the day, like they can see that there's something different because you kept writing about normal kids, normal, normal family and things like that. And it sounds like you experienced that kind of towards the end as a young adult. Is that, is that correct with the, with your foster family? Uh, so yes, the, the, you know, I'd been in between 10 to 12 different group homes, foster homes, different schools. And um, towards the end of my, I guess, my foster care career is what I like to call it. Because that's Mm -hmm. 18, (laughs) I I aged out. But there was a foster home that um, it was a more positive um, setting for me. Um, And they were a pastor and pastor's wife that took it, took me in and again, tried to help build some skills and get me ready um, for what was next. That's good. And again, it, and and I, I saw how you did write about how kind of God was all in this. And then what tricked me out is that part that I read about how you saw this woman in the club and it was your sister. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's crazy. <laughs> but can we go back before then? So you all did not like no one explained to you that what was going on and, and this is something that resonates with me because it's kind of a frustrating thing for me with with our kids that sometimes the social workers and, and I, they may have good reason but they don't communicate with the kids as to what their next steps are where are they going mm-hmm. and things like that so it sounds like you and your siblings also experienced that as well yes um when they say that it's kind of like a, a revolving door with case managers it's true because i mean we it not just you know we all had different case managers we all had different um experiences but there was no clarity on okay you're being removed from this home and you're going here for how long you, there's no longevity in that right you right oh you're just like told to get up pack your clothes and let's move on and so um yeah Wow. Wow. So I want to get to when you uh, finally found your sister, but still felt that emptiness with your brother and then uh, seeing your mom. What was that? How did that feel? What was going on in your mind with that? So um, I, one of the things that kept me grounded because, you know, always seeing my name on a case file or you're just tied to a case file. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered why, you know, people kept taking things. And so for me, it was always, what was that one thing um, that no one could take from me? And it was my education. And so okay. I let that be my driving force um, mm-hmm. that led me good. throughout life. And so 
um, at the time that I was, I just discovered college because I had looked at college so different. Um, uh-huh. At this time, I was living out of my car. I was couch surfing. So I was homeless and didn't really know what was next. But mm-hmm. um, I looked at college as a four, you know, four years. That meant a roof over my head. I had food to eat. Um, it was kind of like a safe haven for me. And mm-hmm. it turned out to be more than that. Uh-huh. And um, I walked away with two degrees and my sister. Wow, that's and awesome. What's wild is, you know, you're just out with a group of friends, call it, living the college life and experience. And I had went to a club one night and with some friends and I happened to look across the room and there she was after eight years of not knowing where she was. That is, I mean, that blow, that has absolutely, you know, I know we are always talking about God on here, but we're definitely faith-based at the James Matthew Commission is, and that's absolutely a God orchestrated mm-hmm. situation. <laughs> yes. I, wow. Um, at first she didn't want anything to do with me, rightfully so. Sure. Um, I think she was in shock. Um, and so I'd left my phone number with her friends and was like, you know, when she's had some time to process, like have her call me. And, and I walked away just not sure if she would. But the next day she did. And, and so my senior year, we ended up moving off campus into an apartment. And, you know, eight years is a long time to, that is to long rebuild time. that relationship. Right. Because you're probably going back to when she was eight years younger, you know, mm-hmm. that relationship there. But now both of you are young adults, you know, mm-hmm. grew, grew up in two different environments. You know, it sounds like she was had, you know, found a family that ended up adopting her. And then you still were kind of bumping or you know jumping around or if you will it's a different place yes. around different places so your experience and even maybe even your survival thinking is different than hers mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, I really I was on my own and I had mm-hmm. no one and um when I had found her you know there was still our brother and um it had been 13 years since I last saw him and wow. so I ended up getting an internship in Washington DC Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness, a foster kid getting an internship. That That's amazing. Uh, right. And so <laughs> I, I ended up in DC and about a week before my internship ended, I had the opportunity to attend like a big uh, a meeting around Congress um, about change, being like a change maker for your state. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that I was going to be called uh, oh, wow. up to the stage, but they were asking if you could change one thing in your state and it was North Carolina at the time for me, what would it be? And mm. um, when they called my name, all I could think about was my brother. Mm. And so I said, if I could change one thing in North Carolina, it would be to keep siblings together. If they enter once they yes. enter foster care, because I'm still looking for my brother who mm-hmm. I hadn't seen in 13 years. Wow. I mean, I was emotional. I don't think people were expecting it and they were emotional. And so next thing you know, by the time I got home, then the, the following week, there was a local reporter at my front door. And I knew at that moment, this is what I needed to do. Um, share my story and hopefully he would see it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And two weeks later, uh, I got a, a call from a record, a Florida locator that said we found your brother. And wow. he was in New York. And so my sister and I was on a plane and we had the reunion with him at the New York airport, JFK. 
I mean, I, I just probably just I'm thinking if I was sitting there waiting on a flight and I see these three people going and hug each other, I'm like, oh, my God, they must have just haven't seen each other in a long time. Not knowing the story and definitely the story that each of you have gone through to even get to that that very moment. Um, do, you, do you all three of you still have a good relationship today? So my sister and I, we're really close. Our okay. brother, rightfully so, um, was on, you know, didn't speak to us for a while. I think there's just a lot. Sure. Uh, but just here recently, we've been in contact and um, yeah, I think we're starting to build that relationship. That's really great. You know, um, I as a care provider, one of the things we try to do is, matter of fact, we have uh, emergency placement homes. And so we do right now have two brothers together, which is always nice. And then sometimes if I can get a sibling group, we have a girl's house and a boy's house. But if they even mm-hmm. know that they are where the other sibling is, I try to get those kids because when they find out they're just, I mean, I just thought about these kids when I was reading this because these, this is recent in the last maybe three months. And we told the, 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 the sister, Oh, your brother is at our boy's house in Tacoma, which is about 30, 45 minutes away from where she was. And so it, she was like, Oh, it kind of made her feel better. And then we were able to let them visit with each other, which made it, and their bond, they just immediately, you know, because, at, at that point, I can imagine all they had was themselves in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. So just like you and your sister, probably after all these years, eight years, seeing each other, you still only had each other. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So that's awesome. So you've done all these wonderful things and an inspiration to a lot of foster kids. And I think, again, you know, I think inspired us to want to do this whole conference or something like that, that there is life after foster care. Mm-hmm. And, and what I pulled from it is that one, your faith was a huge driver that kind of helped you. And then, as you said, education was very important to you. Um, but I want to go to um, the section where you're giving tips to the foster children, um, to foster youth. Um, so I want to go to that real quickly and talk about that because um, I felt like that was really, really valuable because, you know, again, myself never having been in foster uh, foster care, things like that. I think it's so important that these young people uh see that it's this is not this is not it so Mm -hmm. i saw that you put understanding Mm -hmm. and that one that they're resilient and i have definitely seen the i I admire these kids you know their resiliency that the understanding set goals and so why are these things these different tenets you put like set goals be responsible a belief system know your value why why was that so important for you to kind of speak to the foster kids um one foster kid to another. Well, because as I, I needed something to keep me grounded um, mm-hmm. through my journey, because when you're, when you're all over the place and there's really no one in your life that mm-hmm. is there for you, you just, you, you just need something. And so yeah. for me, um, I wanted to create my own personal system, you know, on mm-hmm. how to approach life. And, um, I wanted to figure out what my purpose, you know, you always ask the, what's my purpose in life? Why am I here? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And in foster care, you always have so many odds stacked against you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was determined no matter what, that I'm going to thrive and survive this. I love it. I um, love it. And so I just kind of created my, my own personal belief system. I think you had mentioned understanding was one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, Set goals. Set goals. Mm -hmm. Be responsible. We're all Mm -hmm. responsible for our actions. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, know your value. Like yes. Your worth. Because yes. again, if, if, if anything, no one, you know, for me, I, I used to fight that I was not valuable, that I was not mm-hmm. valued, that mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to bring to the table. But we do. You do. You know, foster. I love it. Mm-hmm. does and so I want to just instill that in every single one of them that they are a valuable person and they deserve the life that they go after you know I love it so I really appreciate your time um, I bought two of these one so I can have and one to give away but I think listening and reading this I think this is so much more valuable I hate to be greedy but in our homes because even with you describing the group homes I was going just how it it was you've had it was kind of sterile with a couple of them and I'm like okay what are our houses like okay no it's more because we try to do more of a home setting so we do have mm-hmm. decorations on the wall and, mm-hmm. and the walls are color and things That's like awesome. that Personally. yeah yeah because I again I'm kind of like I don't want I want kids to feel like they have a home while they're with us Mm-hmm. even when they leave us. So what are some three, three good takeaways you can, you want the reader to get from your book? And, Cause I think a lot of this applies to those tenets of, um, you know, setting goals, building, you know, know your value that I think those are just good principles for anyone, you know, not only children in foster care, but what are three takeaways you would love for someone to take away from your book, to get away from um, your book? Uh, you know, what is it? I think I write in there about becoming a foster child mentor. I yes. think that's huge okay. is to have have that person that's in your corner um, to help 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 you navigate all these unknowns. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely would would highlight um, the mentoring piece. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I always go back to uh, you know at the end of the day, I wrote this for the foster kids or the mm-hmm. young adults. Um, you know, I've got a letter that I've written to a foster youth. Um, and I just want them to know they're valued and the importance of who they are. They're a person with a name, you know, and, yes. um, you know, what's happened to them is not their fault. That's one of the right. reasons for my, for a long time I was stuck because I kept blaming myself for everything. Mm-hmm. And it just got to the point that, you know what, I didn't ask for any of this. And so I can't control what happened, but I can control what I'm doing. And so... Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be another one. Uh, there's so many good points, but I think also tell your story. You know, we all have a story and I think the more that we can tell it, um, to help educate and, and bring more awareness around foster youth, you know, it's not, and I always like to say this, foster care is not siloed to one city or state. A right. That is not siloed to one city or state. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. Right. And you can't, I mean, you know, you're not going to be able to avoid it because we're in your schools, we're in your churches. Mm -hmm. And it's like under get to know us, because I always say, please don't judge Mm -hmm. until you've taken a walk in our shoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I certainly appreciate your time. I'm excited. It stirs me up just from this view to see things. Um, just more in a very clear way of, as, as to what even a, a, a child in foster care needs. Um, and I'm like, I, I believe with you, uh, they are our society's responsibility. It's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, and a lot of times they are forgotten. So I do like what you said about telling the story so we can always keep them on our our minds that 
you know, not only children home who are homeless, because lots of sometimes those kids are with family or with their parents homeless mm-hmm. together. But when with children in foster care, they're not. They're with strangers. You put that in there. I'm being taken care of, you know, someone else is taking care of somebody else's children. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a big deal. So again, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I have the book. I'm definitely going to use this as a resource to train my staff. Um, as well as um, I'm gonna have to buy another one, uh, two more, because we have a couple of uh, beer, uh, excuse me, we have a couple of group homes, and I need to make sure that it's a lot in our library for our kids that if they want to read it, they can, or we can even offer it to the ones that need it when they're aging out specifically. So, thank you again for your time. I appreciate your resilience and just your story and sharing it with us, and actually the world. This is something you can get on Amazon. Yes. Amazon. Yes. <laughs> but l- listen, thank you so much for having me. And I would be happy to join you, you know, anytime, um, any discussions with your group homes. You oh, know, yes. I am available. Like this is, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do in this small world. It. Mighty but small world is to help um, tell the story. So thank you it. for giving me that platform. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Stay tuned as we shift into our lives. Welcome to Trey's Table Talks. It's what we do every other week, twice a month, to try to get awareness of the need for foster children. Please check us out the on our um, platforms today for our podcast because we have the wonderful Liz Sutherland, who we met on our the last live, she was on Instagram, and we got her book, No Ordinary Liz. And so we just had an opportunity to talk with her. And um, the book is amazing. And if you're a foster parent or even no foster kids who are in foster care, this is a very in- good, inspiring book. But I'm going to go ahead and talk about, we're talking about mentorship. And in this book, I'm going to use from Liz's book. She talks about becoming a foster child mentor. So everybody, as we know, may not have the capacity emotionally or even physically with the space at your house to really become a foster parent. But you can be a foster child mentor. We're talking about mentorship. So I would be amiss if I wouldn't talk about how you could come and mentor our kids at JMC. Always. Hey, Mira. I'd forget about your birthday, but I know that um, we're going to do lunch or something. All right. So you can come mentor a volunteer at JMC. We are going to be, uh, we just submitted our, I think I shared with you all that we submitted our application to do behavioral rehabilitation services. And I've decided that I'm going to go and get my master's in social work. So I'm trying to, uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to have time, but we're going to work this out. Uh, So I'm in the middle of applying for all that so I can get smarter with how to take care of the kids, right? And my husband said, well, he's never known extraordinary things to happen without extraordinary sacrifices. You know, he's just profound sometimes. I said, did you make that up? Or was he said he wasn't sure, but you know, I loved it. So, <laughs> but you can become a foster child mentor if you are not able to be a parent. All right. 
So I'm going to take from Liz's book because the timing of it is so wonderful. And she has a section where she's talking about becoming a foster child mentor. And I might read differently, a view differently, but so different things. So first of all, what is a mentor? Mentors are trusted adults. That's a word that JMT always uses. I think I've shared with you all. Hey, Davinique, I've shared with you all several times about how um, I don't have a lot of the experiences that the kiddos, hey, Tiana, that people have had in their lives that these children have experienced when it comes to being placed out of the home and things like that. I am, don't have that experience. Um, but what I am is a trusted adult. I'm a trusted adult. And so, and I try to be a positive role model. And that means just loving them where they are, you know, you know, giving them, you know, that if I have to say, look, checking them when they need to be checked, all of that. I had some boys this week that misbehaved and needed a consequence for their behavior. And so what they did, they helped clean up the church parking lot. They did a good job with the part that they did. So, and it gave them a sense of pride that they were helping out the church and you know, they were able to just make it look better because there was some debris that sometimes people just throw stuff in our, you know, something about people just disrespectful property, especially the church. Anyway, so if you are a positive role model already, if you are a trusted adult, you feel like you kids can trust you. Yes, they're so important, Dominique, so important. In our community, these are our kids, y'all. There's so much stuff going on. I mean, just on the east side of Tacoma alone, so much violence. It's really sad. It's really, really sad. So much is going on, but we have an opportunity to do better, okay? Just by having, being the positive. And even if you were a child or a young adult who um, maybe you, you know, had a rough time, you know, you had a, a, past that wasn't the best or maybe you've had run-ins with the law but now you you know done better you've, you've done better you you know you know positive now and on the right path you could still be a great role model for kids because you can show them that they can do it too that there are choices and maybe even prevent some of them from going down that same road that you went okay so who can be a mentor there is no age limit. You know, I would love to see more baby boomers, you know, uh, working with these younger children. You know, we have a lot of active baby boomers that, you know, they still very physically capable. Um, their minds are sharp and everything, you know, 60s, you know, mid to late 60s, 70 something. I was talking to a church mother last night. I didn't realize how old she was. I thought she was in her 60s. And she got to talk about her experience. And she told me she came to Washington on the back of a motorcycle. I said, what? No, girl, no, you didn't. And if you knew this woman, you would never think that that was her. But she came in on the back of a bike, she said, some, some years, years ago. But these women and men who are seniors, 70s and 80s, they have things and experiences that they can speak to that can mentor young people, and I'm talking about these children, children and um, young adults and uh, who are who need that. One thing that Liz says, who again, the author of No Ordinary Liz, she said that she, well, she had grandparents. She, was, she didn't grow up with grandparents. 
my grandparents were older and they were out of state. You know, they were like the real like grandparent age, you know. Uh, <laughs> I know I have friends that are like, you know, 40s and their grandparents, right? But these were like, like, you know, when I grew up, my grandmother was, you know, 50 something, you know, <laughs> and that seemed to make more sense than, you know, what we have now. But anyway, times have changed. Um, and so people don't have grandparents, you know, all the time, it's, you know, especially older grandparents, 70s and whatnot. But there's a lot of people who have good sense. I know like my mother in love, she loved her grandchildren. My mom, she loved her grandkids. We tell um, them all the time, this is not the same woman that raised us when my dad was with us. This is not the same man that raised us because he, my dad would tell me to leave my daughter alone. Are you kidding me? This is the same stuff you would hit me up on, really? So that the grandparents are needed. I need for baby boomers. And there's still some people in silent generation who's very active. We need you to be mentors. So there is no age limit. But let's say you're even a young person. You're in college or you're doing something very positive for your life. You can mentor peer to peer, right? So you don't have to have a certain career. You don't have to be knowledgeable about the foster care system. Just again, a trusted adult and a positive role model. How many positive role models that we have out there? All right. Also, so I'm just going through Liz's book. I'm just going to use her book, No Ordinary Liz. And I was going to give one of these books away, but I'm going to keep these in our group home because they're just really good. I think the kids in our home need to dip. But what you can expect is when you first meet your mentee, is chances are that, that they'll be a little guarded. You know, foster children have, they deal with a lot of different people. In this book, um, she really talks about just their, her, their experience of leaving from who they found out later was their uh, brother's grandmother, bio grandmother, but she was not a nice person. So she ended up with DF, they ended up with the uh, Department of Social and Health Services, but then they split that she and her siblings ended up being split them, three of them. And so she had all these strangers that she grew up with and stuff. So they're going to be a little guarded, but that's okay. That's okay. They have to learn to trust you. All right. They have to learn to trust you. So you want to just be out there. And if you are interested, positive trusted adult you can go to jmckids.com foster fosters at jmckids.com and learn how to be a foster uh mentor and what's in it for you and let's see so she says what's in it for you is that she said that you are passing down your life's experiences that turn into you feeling good it feels good to know that you're giving something to the next generation or to someone else that can help them. And then it really helps you. Okay. So trusted adults are needed for mentorship for children in foster care. That really can make a world of difference. All right, y'all. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much again. Check us out on our podcast. We were talking about no ordinary Liz. We had, a, we are interviewing her about her book over here in Instagram world. No ordinary Liz. You can buy this book right on Amazon. She also has a website, noordinarylist.com. Thank you, everybody. Be a mentor. Have a great, great day. As we wrap up this episode, our theme this month is new opportunities. We have the opportunity to be the trusted adult foster parent, and or mentor in a child's life when they need it the most. The impact of our engaged presence means 
creating new opportunities and avenues for them to experience things they would never have experienced otherwise. So please consider being a mentor for a child in foster care. All right, that is our podcast for the day. If you would like to become a foster parent, please check us out, jmckids.com. And talk to us about how you would love to be a foster parent. Email us at fosters at jmckids.com. We'll be happy to talk to you about you becoming a foster parent. Also, we are in a hiring frenzy. We're hiring for each one of our houses, as well as case aid support, direct care support, um, as well as subcontractors for our family time services. So please hit us up. We have jobs out there if you want to do part-time or full-time. And maybe you feel like that's the way you can make your difference with these foster children. We'll be glad to make you a part of our village. All right. Thank you again. This has been Trelane Davis from Trey's Table Talks representing JMC, James Matthew Commission. Thank you.